Hi, Filmatics. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we have a great show for you. We have Brian Herskowitz. Brian is an award-winning filmmaker. He's also a member of the Writers Guild of America, the Producers Guild of America, and a SAG after actor. He is a screen instructor for Boston University in Los Angeles, and his textbook, Process to Product, a practical guide for the screenwriter is a valuable source for many screenwriters in Los Angeles and around the world. Brian, thank you for coming on the show today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I, I'm thrilled to be here. I'm glad that you're here. And, uh, you know, all of our listeners love movies and um, we all kind of have a favorite one growing up. I was wondering, is uh, can you tell us about one of your favorite movies growing up? Yeah, I, you know, I, I that that's for me it's a difficult question because i love all movies and i you know i used to stay up late at night and watch the double feature of horror films that they had uh, on a uh, where i grew up in houston texas was they had a show called weird and it had two movies usually it'd be like you know wolfman or or uh, frankenstein meets dracula i love that stuff and then um fairly early on in my youth i became a huge fan of woody allen and just adored everything that he wrote and produced and um, particularly films like that, that, you know, I don't know how well they've traveled, but films like what's up tiger Lily and take the money and run. Uh, and uh, in fact, when I was about 11 years old, I had the, the strange experience of, of meeting Woody Allen in New York and, uh, and actually playing stickball with him. Uh, but that's another story. Oh, you met Willie. Woody Allen in yeah. New York playing stickball. Wait, what is stickball? Is that kind of like a... Stickball is a street game that's similar to baseball, but it's played with a stick and like a tennis ball, I think. Oh. Or, I mean, yeah, something like that. And, and it's played on the streets of New York. And Woody Allen was doing an article. Um, my father, who's a, also a writer, uh, whose name is Mickey Herskowitz, he owned a, a magazine called Jock New York, which was a sports magazine. And Woody Allen uh, was one of the first people to contribute an article, and his article was on stickball. So they needed a, a few street urchins to play stickball with Woody Allen, and I happened to be available. So my father uh, basically brought myself, my brother, and a friend of ours, and we met Woody Allen. He was uh, doing a, a show on Broadway. Um, I think he was doing Play It Again, Sam, on Broadway. Oh, and beautiful. also another great, great film that I, I love. So they did, the, and Bananas, that's another one. So he, he was uh, doing that show, and he was in rehearsal, I think, and he left to play stickball with us, played stickball for half an hour, and then he went back into his, his uh, theater. But uh, that, that was my experience with Woody Allen. Oh, that's amazing. That's a fun fact. Yeah, I love that. And just to know that he's a, he's a, a guy who loves sports, and he, you know, and you were one of the with this, the guys playing stickball. That's amazing. Yeah. Somewhere, yeah. somewhere, there's a photograph of me behind Woody Allen sitting on a stoop in New York when I was about 11 years old. That's great. So, yeah, um, yeah since we love movies here, it's like also, um, do you have one of your favorite films that inspired you to go um, into writing and producing? Um, you know, again, so many great films and, and, you know, like I said, Woody Allen was a huge influence early in my career. Um, as I, as I started to kind of grow and develop, um, you know, I became a fan of things like uh, Lawrence of Arabia and Raging Bull 
and you know those films. Um, I couldn't, you know, I really, I really would be. It'd be like saying, uh, "I love that kid more than I love my other kid." You know, so I don't want to pick on one. It kind of depends on what the genre is. You know, in terms of dramas, I, I think Apocalypse Now was a brilliant film. I thought the Godfather movies were fantastic. Um, so Coppola, you know, obviously, I think Scorsese's films are remarkable. Um, you know, it just really depends. And then in comedy, you know, I I love. I, I, going back to early films, uh, bringing up Baby, uh, a lot of the Danny Kay film. Um, for those of those who are still old enough to know who Danny Kay was, um, they're just some really classic, wonderful old films that I I loved, and and I, probably comedy inspired me more, you know, initially. And I I started as a as a kid, you know, wanting to be an actor, very young, and uh, comedy and Woody Allen was you know a big part of that. Yeah, I, I yeah that I I love screwball comedies like uh, some like it hot. Oh man, those are just you know fantastic. And each each it seems like each generation or each each um year like by year like like in the eighties you know th there's like these favorite films of those generations. So those are fabulous. Sure. So uh, um also you know you direct and I was wondering some of your favorite um film shots or film scenes and movies that you really um love. Oh, there's so many. And again, you know, the, the, the directors that I admire, you know, Spielberg, Scorchese, um, Spike Lee, you know, they're, they're, and a lot of those directors, they have such a signature. They have such a strong, um, you know, signature in their films. You can always tell when Scorchese is behind the camera. Uh, you can always tell when it's Spielberg. And they have these kind of just magnificent shots and magnificent scenes. Um, you know, Spielberg has been one of the greatest directors for children I've ever seen. And, you know, when you look at his films from E.T. to um, Super 8 and his direction with kids and, and of course he produced the second one. But, um, you know, those the, the way he works with children, the way he gets honest, uh, you know, really honest performances is spectacular. And. Uh, you know, the the scenes that stand out to me, you know, are things like uh, Richard Dreyfus building his model of the the mountain in Close Encounters of the Third Kind or or in uh, Schindler's List when the, it's all black and white. But then there's a little girl who's walking sort of dazed and she's got this bright red jacket on. And later on, that jacket is the only thing that's in color in a pile of clothes that's been taken from people that have been killed in the Holocaust. So, you know, he has these just incredibly brilliant and, and powerful images. And he's also, you know, commercially one of the most successful filmmakers of all time. But I, I love Scorchese's uh, uh, vision and eye. I think Spike Lee has a very unique um, voice. I think now uh, people like Christopher Nolan uh, have kind of moved into that spot in terms of having such a, a unique um, visual style. Uh, and Ridley Scott's another one. Yeah, those are some great, um, great directors. And I love how you were talking about in the Schindler's List, like you saying with the red jacket and the significance of that um, storytelling by the visual film shots. You just spectacular. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it makes you fall in love with these directors and they do have a signature style. So yeah, it's um, really beautiful. And I heard that you have some favorite quotes from movies. Can you share some with us? <laughs> oh, boy. 
Uh, let me think about that. So, uh, yes, I do. Uh, the, you know, there. Going back to Woody Allen, one of my favorite quotes is, you know, he, he in Annie Hall, uh, he has a, a quote where he says, you know, love is like love is like a, a a shark. It has to keep moving to stay alive. And what we have here is a dead shark. I love that. You know, love is like a shark. Shoot, uh, uh, being uh, being in the film business is like a shark. You either sink or swim. <laughs> Yeah, and some yeah. people get to make films on a big yacht, meaning they have all the money in the world to to have like a great party on the yacht. And then there's the indie filmmakers who start, and we have like a little rowboat with a hole in it, <laughs> and you're like, you know, trying to keep it plugged in. And then like, you're hopefully, like the next time you go out to see that you have like a bigger boat and a nicer boat, yeah. and, you know, <laughs> sure. yeah. You know, to us, finally, finally getting that yacht to make those films with the money and the like, you know, to have like, you know, a, a real reward after it's 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 finish shooting to have that big party but um you know i love that love is like a shark that's a great line yeah and um you know so you also write too is there a favorite character that you would have liked to either played or written um that's a favorite for of you that comes you know I, I was always kind of a fan uh, and and considered myself as a young actor sort of a, a young dustin hoffman i mean i should i should live so long to be that good but you know, the things that he did always uh, appealed to me, um, you know, from Little Big Man, which was a fantastic film. And, and what was challenging about that film for an actor is it, it traveled from the time that he was a young man, 17 years old, until he was over 100. And he had to take that journey as an actor. And it was just phenomenal. Um, and of course, you know, his, The Graduate is still iconic. Um, so those are those are kind of roles that I would have loved to have done. You know, there's a part of me that's always wanted to be the action hero, the you know, the romantic lead. But I'm I'm more of a of a character uh, performer when I was performing than than uh, than anything else. But yeah, th that that would that's the kind of film that the kind of part that I find interesting and challenging. Um, yeah. So so speaking of that, since she, um, I think I have to uh, say, well, and speaking of the action heroes, I think you could do it. Uh, can you tell us about um, your world champion and judo and Brazilian <laughs> jiu-jitsu? And, uh, and yeah. please tell our audiences listening, Ryan, who is a writer, director, and actor, what degree black belt in judo do you have? <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a fifth, fifth degree black belt in judo and a first degree black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and a first degree black belt in Shotokan Karate. Um, but really my my first and, and biggest love was Judo. Um, and I spent time studying and training in Japan and learned to speak a little Japanese. And in fact, that was, that was a huge boost to my career actually, because for many years as an actor, um, I, I made my living by doing voiceovers and oftentimes they would need somebody who could speak Japanese and English and, you know, uh, wanted someone who could speak Japanese, but not uh, not have an accent when they spoke English. So I would get cast for different shows and I've done probably 200 films and I don't know how many television shows and not always Japanese, but, you know, different things. And uh, uh, but I, I started judo um, when I was about six years old. And I was the state champion of Houston, of Texas, not of Houston, of Texas when I was eight. 
and uh, continued on and, and continued to compete and trained. I um, was a finalist for the Olympics in 1980. Uh, did not make the team, but, but then again, nobody went because we boycotted that year. That was the year that Russia had in, had actually gone into Afghanistan. And as a, uh, we protested and, and our protests included not going to the Olympics in Moscow. So um, that was one of the things. That, but I, I continued to compete and continued to train. And now as an older competitor, I compete in the master's category and recently won um, both the World Judo Championships and the more recently I, I competed at the uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Master Championship and won the, the World Master Championships uh, in my division as well. So, it's been a long time. <laughs> amazing, amazing. That's just so incredible. And also, we're just going to just, you know, let our audience know in case they want to read some books that your father, as you kind of mentioned, he's a best-selling author and he's written <laughs> books with Betty Davis, George Bush, Dan Rather, Gene Tierney, and over <clears throat> 60 other um world famous people so wow it, it definitely runs in the family writers yeah. writers in uh so that's amazing um for those of you who remember betty davis my father worked with her for, for many years and there's a very funny story about that he he had been working with her uh for about a year and he never really talked about my being an actor or, or being in the business and finally he got the nerve up to say you know and he always called her miss davis he said miss davis you know I have a son who is an actor, and her response was, "How tragic!" <laughs> oh my god! It's like she's like a rough road, kid. Rough road. Yeah. Stand I was I, at the time I was studying with Milton Katsalas, and Milton uh, had directed Betty Davis in a uh, in a, a TV movie I think called The Whales of October. And I again I said, "Hey, you should tell Betty that I'm studying with Milton Katsalas." and he, he got the name Milton Katsalas out, and she said, oh, what a horrible man. <laughs> so she was very opinionated. And in fact, years later, uh, a couple of years later, she had put the book on hold. Um, but prior to that, she had met with my father, invited him to dinner for the first time in two years. She, he came to her apartment. And uh, after the dinner, he was leaving, and she stopped him and said, uh, Mickey, before you go, and this was through a closed door. He had already gone into the hallway. Uh, he said, yes, Miss Davis. And she said, um, I've been thinking about it. And uh, I think you should change your name for the book. And of course, my father was thinking, well, you know, Herskowitz is my family name. And I know it sounds a little bit, you know, ethnic, but it's, you know, I've been writing under that name for, you know, years and starting when I was 16 years old. And, and my grandfather used to stay up to listen to my name on the radio when I work, you know, on the radio. And he's about to launch into that. And she says, yes, I don't think the name Mickey is dignified enough. I think your name should be Michael. And he said, uh, yeah, okay, Miss Davis, that's very interesting. I'll take that. I'll take that under consideration. About three years later, when the book was ready to come out, he got a panicked call from the, uh, from the publisher the editor of the publishing company, who said, Mickey, we don't know what to do. Betty Davis has sent back the contracts unsigned, saying that your name has to be Michael Herskowitz, not Mickey, on the book. And my father said to the guy whose name I don't know, but it may have been Ed, said, Ed, she can call me Elijah Muhammad Herskowitz if it'll get the book done. So <laughs> on that book, 
And only on that book, he is Michael Herskowitz um, of the 60 or 70 books he's written. That's the only one. <laughs> well, uh, Mickey Michael. <laughs> yeah. Well, didn't, like Mickey. didn't think Mickey was dignified in that. So. Oh, well, I like Mickey. Everyone likes Mickey Mouse. So, you know, um, so potato, potato, right? So I'm glad yeah, that exactly. he has both choice names and kept with his name, Stick to Your Guns. So, yeah. And, mm. and, and Brian, can you tell us how you started on your career path? Yeah, I, I started... Um, you know, wanted to be an actor very young. I mean, you know, literally when I was six or seven years old, I decided that's what I wanted to do. And, and I started, uh, you know, taking classes at the kids, you know, theater groups in Houston, Texas, where I'm from, and um, really stuck with that. That was always, you know, there, you know, I had all the, all the little boy things that, you know, kind of came up. I wanted to be an astronaut and I want to be a firefighter, but really, never gave up the dream of being an actor. So uh, in the late 1970s, I moved to Los Angeles after spending time in Japan and uh, to really pursue a career as an actor. And I, I worked in LA for a while and did a few shows and, um, you know, was on, I was Willie Ames's drummer on Eight is Enough and did a few guest spots here and there. And, but I really wasn't catching fire. So I, I needed to find a job that would pay the rent. And one of my friends in an acting class was a producer who was working on a television series called Tour of Duty. And I had started writing screenplays uh, just on spec at that point and had actually had a little, little bit of luck. Um, I had somebody who had read a screenplay of mine and wanted to option it. And that led to my uh, landing with an agent. So I started to get a little bit of notice as a writer but I was still pursuing the acting career and not making much money. So I ended up um, going to be the uh, post-production assistant on a series called Tour of Duty, which is about the Vietnam War. And this was in the mid 80s. And um, I worked as the post-production supervisor for the first season and then was promoted to associate producer the second season. And then the third season, they came to me and said, would you rather write or produce? And I said, I'd much rather write. And they said, well, we really need you to produce, but we'll give you a script. So they gave me a script to write, and it turned out that that was uh, one of the better received episodes of the year. It got a TV guide, you know, pick of the week uh, that week, which was, um, to me, felt like a big deal. And um, because of that, I ended up being signed by William Morris, which at the time was just William Morris, not William Morris Endeavor. And at the time, they were one of the big three agencies. And um, I was with them, and that really started my career. And I started working mostly in television, but some in features, and continued that uh, on. And then my path kind of went from television into independent feature uh, producing and writing. I was working as an executive with a company out of New York called Artist Media Cooperative. And uh, they produced a, a few different films and a few projects that I was involved with. Uh, one of the films that they did was called The Guitar, which was directed by um, Robert Redford's daughter, Amy. And it was her first, uh, her first film as a director. And uh, went to Sundance and did quite well. Very good film. Uh, not, not a hugely popular one, but very good. And I produced web series and created pilots and, and did a, a feature for co-op productions. And then after that, started really pushing a little bit further into the world of independent film production and co-wrote, produced um, about half a dozen films. 
Amazing. I really like um, Tour of Duty. And I just thought, think that that's really a special project. And, and that sounds amazing. And yes, you certainly have the gift of writing, producing, acting. And so I, 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 I can you tell us, like, when you were shooting, was this a shooting in New York where it was 105 degrees? <laughs> can you tell? Oh, yeah. Yeah, the audience yeah. about what it's like to make films. Everyone thinks it's so just just fun all day long. But you've had a little you know, incident. New York, yeah, New York is a great city. I love the city. It's a difficult place to work in, particularly difficult place to film in. And uh, but we were doing a film in uh, what is basically Washington Heights, around 105th Street, 106th, maybe maybe a little higher up. And uh, it was summer, and it was brutally hot. And we had a bunch of kids. I, I don't want to talk about what film it was, but it was one of those experiences where in the middle of the shoot, the the hairdresser and the makeup person got into a fist fight on the streets of New York. While we're standing there trying to separate the two of them, there's a car accident right there where the, a pedestrian is hit. And I look over and they've been knocked about 30 feet through the, through the air. And I, I ran over there, stopped the fight, then ran over and administered first aid to the person on the ground. And then, and then that same day, we had a torrential thunderstorm that wiped the set out. So it was just one thing after another that we, we had to deal with. And, and, you know, part of my job, I feel, as a producer is, is sort of like the lifeguard who sits there, you know, looking for the shark's fin and, and to tell everybody to get out of the water. So I'm, I'm constantly looking for what are the problems? What happened? You know, how, how do we fix that? And, uh, yeah, it was wild. But you know, it was a it was a great learning experience, and, and I wouldn't have traded it for anything. Yeah, and so Brian, over the holidays, um, how has pandemic impacted your art? Have you been able to work on anything? Yeah, I I, I kind of have. Um, the you know, pretty early on, I I got the feeling that it was going to be a while before we got back into production, and I was sitting around thinking, you know, what what do I want to do? I have to stay creative. I have to keep working. And I started uh, working on a novel, which I've now finished, um, which I hope to, to be published soon. It's called Conceptus. And uh, it's based on a screenplay that I've written. So I wrote a screen, I wrote a, a novel based on a screenplay. Um, I'm continuing to work in uh, getting networking and finding film finance, pardon me, film finance uh, uh, entities that I can work with to, get my projects out and 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 done um i have about half a dozen films that are on my own personal slate that i'm trying to produce and direct and then i have probably another six or seven films that people have brought to me that they want me to produce or or that i'm helping them with in trying to find financing um and then in addition to that i i've shot a a short film that um finished just before the pandemic hit so I was editing and putting that together, and it's now out to festivals and has done fairly well, has won a couple of smaller festivals. And um, and I also have done a podcast that uh, I'm working with you on, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, yes, called Thrilling Stories and Identity, Identity Theft. And Identity Theft is kind of a, a, a dark, uh, noirish mystery um, set in New Orleans with a little bit of uh, supernatural underpinnings to it. So it's a, it's a lot of fun to work on. So yeah, so our audience, so just so our audience can know, like it, if they want to hear the, the suspense drama series that Brian has written, 
it is on the podcast called Thrilling Stories. And um, this series episode, episodic episode is called Identity Theft. And it has an all-star cast. And also he has um, Leonard Wolf is the Emmy winning composer on that as well. And we just, it's, it's very special and really well done. We, you know, we'd love the audience to check that out. And yeah. so, yeah, Brian, I just wanted to say thank you for coming on the show today. It was just a, a lovely talking with you. I really enjoyed um, your story, especially about your dad and with Betty. <laughs> yeah. Now, it, you know, He's had a storied career. I have too, but he—he's—he—he he really is kind of the you know the giant of his particular industry. So very proud of him. And he's still around, still writing. He's doing—he's doing a book right now on a a guy who lived lived in Spain for two years and worked as a bullfighter. So that a guy from Houston. So that's what he's doing right now. I would have him on the show, right? Tell him to come on the show. I'll interview him. I will do that. I'll definitely do that. Yeah. <laughs> And then, so how does our audience to catch up with you? Like, um, you know, your website, can you let them know your website and Instagram? Yes, of course. Um, I, I have a website. It's uh, just so imaginatively named brianherskowitz.com. So if you can't, that's my name. And it's H-E-R-S-K-O-W-I-T-Z. And uh, I can be messaged through that. Um, and that's really the best way to reach me. But I'm fairly accessible. Yeah. And okay. yeah. Yeah, well, wonderful. I wish you luck with all your films. I'm sure I'll either get calls going, oh, you know, can you give me Brian's email? Or they'll call you or email you. And uh, lots of success. And just wishing you and your family a beautiful, healthy, and happy um, New Year. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And same to you, Marilyn. Be safe. Yeah, thank you. And to our lovely audience that is tuning in and listening, we want to wish you a happy and healthy New Year. And thanks for tuning in. Until next week, we will... I'll talk to you then. Bye, everyone.